I'm going to turn over to Hosea chapter 6. We're going to continue along the same vein we've been. Started a series a couple weeks ago uh, on the spirit of revival. And we, uh, it's, our, it's the first time we've spoken on revival at any length uh, since we've planted IHOP. But it's actually one of the main messages that I've given myself to for the last 10 plus years. And so it's been, a, it's been good so far. Last week, Vincent Skinner ministered and... It was a great time. I heard the Lord really ministered powerfully in the altar. So we're going to continue along the same theme. We're on part three. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll get rolling. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I'm asking that you would come. By your spirit, you'd come. Lord, settle in upon us. Bring the word of the Lord to bear upon this house, this community. God, we are in need of you. Lord, I am am in great need of you. And I'm asking you to speak to us with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm asking you to come and pierce our hearts. Would you let the word of God come forth with clarity and would you let it come forth with authority? And would would you penetrate between soul and spirit? Would you cause the word to judge the thoughts and the intents of our heart? So God, I'm asking, release revelation in this house. Holy Spirit, would you come? We are depending on you. We are depending on you. We are depending on you, Spirit of God. Lord, how we love you. How we love you. We worship you, Lord. And do all you desire tonight, I'm asking. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead and everybody said amen. Isaiah 6, let's go ahead and read these first three verses. Verse 1. Come and let us return to the Lord. For he is torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up. That we might live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. I was uh, meditating this week on, you know, what the ingredients are that we would desire to be resident in this community as it relates to living in in a in a lifestyle that's revived we're we're taught we've talked a little bit about uh 
a global end time revival, which we are absolutely convinced is coming. In fact, as I've been preparing, I've got more messages than I've got weeks to preach them in, but one of, one of the uh, veins that will go on is uh, the absolute, I mean, thoroughly biblically established theology of a global end time revival that is to come, that's prophetically, biblically established, and it's in front of us. It's in a time that is in front of us. And we'll go through it, and we'll show um, how, the, how Israel, the issue of Israel, is at the centerpiece of God's purposes as it relates to a, a Gentile harvest. And many don't have any comprehension of, of, of uh, God's plan and purpose for Israel and how that relates to global Gentile revival. Yet those two realities, God's purpose for Israel and global revival are hand in hand. They absolutely fit uh, hand in hand. And we'll go into those in a, in a day ahead. But what, what I wanted to do tonight was deal with some of the facets that we want to live pursuing in this community. Uh, Core realities, these are not, this is not an exhaustive list tonight, but core realities that we want to live giving our life to continually uh, with, with aggressiveness and pursuit in the Spirit unto the release of kingdom manifestations in our midst. Um, I feel strongly that uh, the issue of night and day prayer is one piece of a much bigger mosaic that God is weaving together as it relates to this thing called the plan of God in the earth and the purpose of God in the earth. And even in this city, it's one piece of a much bigger uh, puzzle. And then even in our community, the concept of night and day prayer taking place is really only one piece of of a larger picture that must be resident in our community for there to be an abiding presence of the Lord. It's, you know, it's, you don't just fill a schedule, throw people up on a platform, and, and they can play three chords and go into a comatose, and you just do that forever, and then God comes. In fact, you know, and I'll just say this really for our staff, but just for anybody who's listening, I mean, it's absolutely, totally possible to do night and day prayer, to do uh, IHOP, to give yourself as a, as a missionary... And to have the the prayer meetings continue, it's completely possible to have that reality and have a heart that's disengaged from the Lord. We can get totally involved, even if it's a prayer thing, even if it's a, you know, cry out for revival thing. We can get totally involved with the mechanics and have hearts that are not uh, alive and hot, hot on fire for God, not burning with passion for the Lord. And uh, I'm touched over that uh, for a few reasons. One of them is because, you know, we're going now, we've been going 24-7, heading on 18 months, a year and a half. We've been going 24-7, almost 18 months, almost a year and a half. And, And the environment continues to grow, and we continue to add staff, and it gets stronger and stronger. And in other words, there's continually more people to do the 24-7 reality, and we've been doing it for uh, a year and a half now, and, and, and I am touched with this. 
uh, many would go, man, bro, high five, you guys are doing it, you're getting it done. Except for I'm on the inside and I can see the reality of uh, doing prayer all day is just like any other thing you would do. You can get going through the motions, you can get used to God, you can get you know used to the, the day in and the day out, and all of a sudden, you're doing night and day prayer and your heart is distant from God. And that is, a, that is a chilling thing that you can have the prayer and fasting people whose hearts are away from the Lord. And uh, I think we, we find ourselves uh, in that tension many times in ministry, going hard after a ministry focus, yet having hearts that are not passionate and tender and alive. And seasoned with the presence of God. And, uh, and I am gripped right now over the uh, necessity of my own heart. But the necessity of this community. Not simply being a community that does the prayer thing. And sort of has, has got this, you know, this kind of cool you know, insignia about it because they do the prayer. But I am, I am gripped in heart about us being a people who have hearts that are absolutely alive with God, tender and moved in our souls by the power and the presence of the Spirit of the Lord. People that are are moved by the Word, that have an aggression in studying the Scripture with an academic zeal, but a a, a devotional spirit that we would be alive in this reality and not simply going through the motions of another religious doing without the actuality of the presence of God in our midst. And oh, that the church, that we would live that way, alive with God in all of our doings. We'd never settle in to going through the motions without having a heart that's tenderized. I mean, I want fire. I want tenderness before the Lord. It's not enough to show up. I mean, and the Lord high fives the guy that shows up, you know? I mean, in our weakness, we show up and God goes, little buddy, I love it. You showed up. Way to go. You did. And, And we feel the weakness of that. The ones that are here, we feel it, really. I mean, there's often times we'll show up and it's like, man, it was all I could do to get in here. I mean, I don't know what happened. My car had a flat tire. My cat attacked me on the way out the door. You know, there's a traffic jam. And, you know, I mean, a helicopter came down. They were shooting at me. I don't know. And I just showed up and here I am. And God goes, way to go. He, and I really do believe he's, he's absolutely that way. He's absolutely overjoyed about the ones that say yes and that are going for it. And, and those of you that even come up on Sunday, you know, you come on Sunday night, you just want to be a part of the community and connected somehow. And it's like, I love this. And I think the Lord smiles over that reality. In fact, I know he does. Zechariah 4 says he rejoices even in the smallest day of, you know, small beginnings. Just the little guy walking in the door, the Lord's rejoicing. But there's something more, beloved, that we wouldn't fall into the trap of going through the motions of being a people doing religion. And you can, you can even do religion in night and day prayer. 
You can show up, you can starve yourself, you can do uh, sets on the platform, you can go through the chord progressions, you can prepare and write songs, you can have all the language, and you can have a heart that is distant from God and cold. It's real. The Pharisees were fasting, praying men. And they did not comprehend God in the flesh staring them in the eye, raising the dead in front of them. And I'm, I, am, I am alert, alerted in my heart to the necessity, the necessity of us returning as a people, returning to the Lord. This community, not those guys out there wherever, I mean this community, turning to the Lord and running headlong into the heart of the Lord and finding ourselves in the whirlwind of fire that is the very heart of God. You know, I tell you, the seasons of my life, when I remember God moving the most, I felt the, the least in control. Can you ever relate to that? I mean, can you... Think back at the times when God was absolutely, I mean, spinning you and swirling you and stuff was happening and things were popping up and God was speaking to you through the alarm clock and, I mean, He just really ministering everywhere. And you just feel like, man, you're, you're actually big and you're actually, wow, you're actually under control, aren't you? And, and I remember those seasons and it's funny because, you know, there's that tension in us in those seasons where we're trying to tidy it all up and actually get it under control so we can just, what, know what we're doing. Like, what am I doing? God goes, no, I really like to be the one in control, and I really like you to have to be the one that trusts me. He goes, I set it all up so I would be sovereign and you would lean on me. And we'll try to tidy that thing up and cram it in a box, and then what happens is we, we will box God, we'll fight God for control of the reins, and then once we get control of the reins, we just settle right in. And just, we can just keep going through the motions and doing the deal. But God, the swirl, the, the fire, the passion, the moving of the Spirit, the nearness, and the tenderness of the Spirit of God, it's, it's not alive in that place when your hands are on the reins like that. I want that holy you know, out of control thing. I'm not saying we've got to act wild. I, I, no, you can be holy and out of control with your hands in your pockets. I mean, it's not about just going and putting on something to be wild. I'm talking about the reality of God in the midst. I want God in the midst. The reality of God in the midst of a people. And so what are the ingredients that call us into that? And I just... I just was thinking about a few things and just some of the focus that we will continue to have. This is, this is who we are. If, if you're checking us out, you know, good for you. And, and here's our, a few of our main ingredients tonight. And, and if you don't like it, good for you. High five you. It's okay. But this is what we have to do. The crowd that's mandated to do night and day prayer, this is where we will live. We will give ourselves to these realities that I'm going to talk about tonight. Without, without any kind of, uh, you know, un, with totally abandonment, without any shame, totally unashamed to pursue these realities because this is who we must be in this community. And so, the first one, we find it there in Hosea 6. He goes, let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of God. 
Let us know and let us pursue the knowledge of God. And you could, you could read it like this. He goes, let us come to know God and let us continue to pursue knowing God. And I think that we live in a place where we feel like we know Him. And I, my big proclamation to us is we don't have a clue who He is. Behold, our God is great, and we do not know Him. Paul the Apostle, the, the writer, the author of almost two-thirds of the New Testament, he says, that I might know Him. Little old you and me, who kind of just barely read our Bible and pray a little bit, I guarantee you, we do not know the God who stretches out the heavens. The God who measures the waters in a span. He weighs the dust of the earth in a scale. We don't know Him. In this community, we will live, we will continue to live our lives in pursuit, absolutely searching out that one who is unsearchable. He is un- David described him as unsearchable is his greatness. But you know what? We're going to give ourselves in, a, in abandonment to finding out who he is, to hurling ourselves headlong with fasting and prayer, into this, who are you, Lord? The great cry of Paul the Apostle's life, his entire life, who are you, Lord? He gets struck from a horse going to Damascus, bam, blinded with light, falls off his horse. Who are you, Lord? He has a vision of Jesus. Who are you, Lord? And the entirety of the rest of his whole life, he continues to say, who are you, Lord? And that's who we will be. When I, w- when I was in Kansas City, I spent a year there working with the leadership team and as a missionary. I recognized that there was a continual cry in the community there. God, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I heard that prayer probably no less than five times a day and on a good day, 15 And they were unashamed about walking up to that mic, opening up to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, and praying that prayer, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. The eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. We might know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. And they would read it, and then the next guy would get up. God, we're asking you to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Without shame, they'd pray the same exact prayer. Why? Because at the, at the bottom line of that thing, that the people that would give themselves to seeking out God, the bottom line of that thing is this. You come to believe this, that the greatest gift that God can give to a human is a greater revelation of himself. The heart that says, I will give myself in a continual seeking of God. At the, at the bedrock, the foundation of that heart, it has settled this issue. There is not a greater thing that God can give a human life than a revelation of himself. And if we believe that the greatest thing under all creation that we can have is a greater understanding and a greater experience of the knowledge of our great God, we will give ourselves to the continual pursuit of that reality all the days of our lives. You know, I was um, considering wisdom in this life. And we'll look at the, uh, the, the man who's 60 or 70 years in the ministry maybe 
And, and we will gather around them with notepads and pens in hand, and we will ask them, hey, tell me about this, tell me about that. And we will just wait for the nuggets and, and write them down because we understand that 60 or 70 years of, of ministry and, and, and studying the word and prayer and fasting and seeking God, there are revelations of wisdom that are going to come forth from that person that we just, I mean, if you can get a hold of them you know, at a young age, you're like, oh my gosh. And rightly we should. We should gather around those that have, that have you know, trodden the path before us and that have, that have plumbed the depths and, and found God and, and have, have you know, stories to tell and experiences to share. We should gather around them and sit there you know, waiting to hear the nuggets that they're going to release to us. But think about this. You're five years, ten years in in your journey. That man's 60 or 70 years in, in the journey. Well, what is 70 years compared, compared to the God who is infinity? God's infinity. What are you going to learn really in seven, 70 years? You're not even getting out of the table of contents, I guarantee you. No, the book is infinity long. In 70 years, you're only scratching the surface on the realities of who God is. Beloved, we're going to be a people who get our minds blown for eternity when we, when we comprehend who He is. And I guarantee you, we have, I mean, such a small level of understanding of Him. It is absolutely the most obvious thing we must do is pursue the knowledge of God. Pursue Him. We must feast on the revelation of His emotions towards people. Who is the God that likes people? I mean, you like us. You care for us. You wrap up delight in your heart with this, that humans can touch you. Who are you? He's the God that leads with perfection. He's the God that releases a judgment event, and it's messy and sloppy, and it's 100% perfect. He knows exactly how to construct it in his sovereign way, and it's all perfect. He's a perfect leader, 100% perfect. And in our way, we look at it and we go, oh, that's impossible. That was a mess. And God goes, no, I, I know exactly how to constrain it all under my sovereign plan, and it all unravels in perfection. His ways are perfect. He's never made a mistake. Never made a mistake. Never had a question never wondered you never surprised him your nastiest darkest moment never shocked him and he likes you fully aware of your frame fully aware that you are dust and he's in love with you and constrains the delight of his heart, the thing that releases pleasure inside of him, he constrains it to people. He doesn't look at the stars and go, man, that star is sweet. I love that. He looks at you. and goes, you are sweet. I love you. I'm impressed and delighted and pleasure filled with you. I mean, to comprehend that God, 
I guarantee you it takes more than 70 years of journey. It takes more than 70. If you meditated on the Bible eight hours a day for 70 years with fasting and prayer, with a continual heart, you never wondered in your mind one time, eight straight hours daily, you never you know, gazed off and never daydreamed, and you were focused, and you did that every single day for 70 years. The God who is infinite, I guarantee you, would only scratch the surface on the knowledge of who he is. And beloved, we will be a people who will come back to this issue continually. I am convinced that all, all of our problems in this life have to do with a wrong knowledge of who God is. 100% of our brokenness, 100% of our inability to live godly, 100% of the way that we live in sin and choose, uh, you know, lesser things and other lovers it's all about this that we don't have a right knowledge of god that's why the devil sets up every stronghold to target the knowledge of god second corinthians 10 tells us that every stronghold that the devil erects in the minds of people is geared and aimed and targeted at the knowledge of god why because all of our brokenness in this life is as a result of not having a proper revelation of the knowledge of God. And so we will be a people who will continue to pray and seek and search and study and meditate and give ourselves with abandonment, with hearts crying out for light and revelation in the knowledge of God. We will feast on the, on the reality of his emotions for us because that's where life comes from. That's where buoyancy of heart comes from. Let me tell you something. Having your, having your heart revived and alive doesn't come from the vacation. It doesn't come from the recreation. It doesn't come from the cool movie. It doesn't come from the entertainment. It doesn't come from your hobby. I guarantee you it doesn't. It comes when you contact that thing which you were created for, the love of God. Feasting on the emotions of God will cause your heart to be buoyant in an instant. It will cause might, the Bible says it's might released in your inner man. The the issue of burnout, let me tell you this, this is especially for our staff, the issue of burnout in ministry is really, really, really about having a heart that's separated from the knowledge of God. When you burn out in ministry, even if it's prayer ministry, the issue is you haven't engaged your heart. If your heart lives unengaged, you will burn out. Human zeal will take you for a while, but it might is only released when intimacy becomes your portion. Might in your inner man. And that's who we will be. We will be a people living to search out that which is unsearchable. Engaging our hearts continually in this journey of discovery known as seeking to know the heart of the Father and the love of His beautiful Son, Jesus. That's where we will live. We have 25 to 50 years to plumb the depths of the knowledge of who He really is. 25 to 50 years to plumb the depths of the knowledge of who He is in this life. We will give ourselves to abandonment with it. One of the things that I know is is fully possible is if a people will live continually pulling on the riches of heaven, continually pulling on the glory of God, continually crying out and pulling on the resource of who he is, God will answer the the cry of hunger. 
He will move in response to desire in the heart of his people. And so if a people will say, you know what? I will give myself continually to this, crying out for God to manifest in our midst and reveal the the nature and the knowledge of who he is to us in this community, in this uh, county, and in this city. If a people will give themselves in continual abandonment to that reality, asking God to reveal himself, they'll continually pull on heaven, he will answer. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, If you will call unto me, if you will cry unto me, I will hear and I will answer, and I will show you things which you do not know. I don't know about you, there are a ton of things I do not know. I am so, I don't care. I mean, they'll ask me, so they'll sit me down and ask me questions. So, so how, you know, they'll, they'll come up with a question and I'll go, I, I just have no problem going, I have no clue. I just don't know that one. I used to be the guy that had to have the answer all the time. I have no clue. I mean, I really just don't know. Don't ask me where anything is around here because you know what? I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me how to build an IHOP because you know what? I don't know. All I know is this. God has a plan and he, he swirls people up, little goofy, dorky people, and he sets them all together. And he goes, now, nine-day prayer. There, now! And it happens. And he goes, Sweet. <laughs> I mean, they asked me, you know, they were saying, you ought to write a manual on how to start an IHOP. I go, yeah, I should write, you know, 39 pages on the sovereignty and timing and plan of God and one page on tips that might help. Because he holds all the mysteries of knowledge. So if we'll cry out to him, We'll call unto him. He will show us great and mighty things which we do not know. And that's where we will live, continually giving ourselves to this. Continually giving ourselves to searching him out. Continually desiring to experience his passion, his desire, the burnings of his heart. I don't know... I don't know where everyone is, but I know this, that I want to live hungry for something that's real. Something that's real. I don't want something man can work up. I don't want something we can manufacture. I want heaven. The inbreaking of heaven. I want to, you know what? If we never touch it in this life, but we live our whole life seeking to engage him, living ravenous for God in this life, Oh, I think it's a good way to spend your life. Oh, I think it's a really good, smart way to spend it. Living hungry. You know, when you're stirred up, put the press on. You know, when you, when you have the gift of a gripped heart, because you know the difference. You know the seasons when your heart hasn't been gripped, and you know the seasons when your heart has been gripped. When you're in the season and your heart is gripped, I tell you, put the press on. Press heaven for all you can get. Because if you're in a season and your heart is gripped and your heart is stirred up and your heart is passionate, that is a gift from God to you. There is none that seeks him. No, not one. But if your heart is alive and you feel it stirred and you desire to see God, heaven is smiling on you. Somebody goes, I'm so hungry, but I don't feel God. He's not hearing. I go, no, he's totally hearing. Your gift is your hunger. The fact that you're desiring God, that's totally a sign that heaven is moving on behalf of you. How do you know that? Because men don't seek God. 
And the fact that you want him, oh, that's heaven. I want to live that way in this life. Ravenous for something more. Just looking at my wife this week, I go, honey, I am so unsatisfied. I'm just not satisfied. I'm thankful, I'm grateful, but I'm not in fantasy that we've arrived at anything. I don't know God. We, we need a break-in of God. And all oh, that we'd be a people that would pursue Him with all of our strength. And see, if you're living in a season when you're not stirred up, ask Him to stir you. Ask Him to stir you up. If you're feeling dull, go, no, I don't want to be dull. You can decide, I don't want dullness. I mean, I'm not telling you you can all of a sudden put hunger in you. Heaven alters that. But you can say, no, 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 dullness is not the way I will live. I've got one chance, 70, maybe 80 years of my reason of strength in this life. I've got one chance to pursue him. No, 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 dullness. I won't do dullness, not for a day, not for, no, not for an hour. I can't. And you, you find yourself in that place of dullness. Your prayer needs to be, God, no, lift the dullness. All through an ache, all through a hunger in me. I want to know heaven. I want to know God. There's this unique thing God does. It's called Reminder. Paul told Timothy, Peter said it, stir yourself up by way of reminder. If you're in that place and you're, you, know, you don't feel the gripping, you don't feel the, the stirring, remember. Remember the days when you felt it. Remember the days when you ached. Remember the days when you trembled. Remember the days when he moved. Stir, there is a, there's a, it's in the Bible. There's a principle that if you will remember when God has moved, it will cause a stirring to happen in your soul. It's a biblical principle. There's an impartation of hunger if you will latch yourself on to the memory of when he moved. The NIV version calls it fanning into flame the gift of God that's within you by way of remembrance. There's something about connecting in, in, in your mind. There's a sanctified memory where you connect in your mind to that place where you were, that season of time, the way God was moving and the way your heart was positioned with God. You connect in your mind to that place and you go, God, I cannot live here. I want the days when your right hand was powerful upon me. I want the days, oh, I didn't know what I was doing and I felt so scared and I, man, everything felt strange, but you were there and that's all that mattered. I want those days. I want the days of visitation. God, I don't want to live bored and dull. I want your fire. I want something that's real. Connecting to it. See, most of the people that will come and listen to me, you've been messed up somewhere along the line. No, for real. Somewhere, God, I mean, jacked you up. He messed you up. He touched you. He visited your life. 
And you can relate to what I'm talking about. You can remember the time when your prayer closet was your favorite place. You can remember those days of sweetness. When the word was alive, the verses seemed to all be written to you. And the weeping, you ever been in those seasons when the weeping won't stop? He's, it's like he's in everything. You ever been in those meetings and God comes? And at that point, it's... It's not a question about who gets to minister. You don't even care what song they're playing. You just want power. You want his, heaven's power to come and consume you. You just want the reality of the power of God to come and consume you. You've been in those times where heaven fills the place. God, that you'd fill the place. That you would fill the place. God, that we would stir ourselves up by way of reminder. We wouldn't live dull lives. We wouldn't settle into the average and the mundane. God, we can't be a people living mundane when we have a God that's like you. Deliver us from our fascination with that which is so much lesser than you. We're so fascinated with so little. God, we remember meetings we've been in that you filled the place. God, I pray that this would be a community that lives in that light. The house of prayer would be filled with the glory of God. And our hearts would be filled with the presence of the Lord. The real stuff, God. I'm convinced we don't have to hype a thing. Stir us up, God. You know, I was thinking about it. There's a there's a movie that uh, depicts the Great Depression, and it shows a boxer, and he he was rich, and he loses all his money, and he ends up living in like this cellar with his family, and he loses everything, and. He's once this famous boxer contending for the heavyweight championship and ends up being this guy that's trying to get, uh, you know, a job, just daily work. And he's there with all the others just today, today, today. And and he's poor. And he, he doesn't mind being poor. In fact, 
he's, his, his hunger is on display in his poverty. And he's doing everything he can to get that which will satisfy him. And then it, he's got this promoter guy that he's in relationship with. And the whole movie, you've got this promoter guy and he shows up in rich clothes and shows up in a, a nice car. Well, finally, there's a time where they actually go to the man's house. They go to the promoter's house. And when they open the door, all of his furniture is gone because he's had to sell everything. He's poor too. The difference between the boxer and the promoter is this. The promoter was poor. He was dirt poor, but he didn't want to live in a way that anybody knew it. He wanted to make it all look nice on the outside because it would be messy if everybody knew how destitute he really was. But the boxer who lost everything, he didn't care who knew. All he knew was he wanted to get food and money to provide for his family, to meet the necessary need of his life. So I think there's two kind of poor people in the spirit. There's ones that they are absolutely poor and destitute, and they just don't care who knows. They just live with their hunger on display in life. They're not trying to make it clean. They're not trying to make it neat. They're not trying to make it tidy. They don't really care. They're not trying to impress anybody. They just want Jesus for real. They're happy when they're messed up and they're sad when they're not gripped. And they're poor and they know it and they must have God. And then there's another crowd and you're, you're poor, but you know what? You just don't want to live that messiness of being poor in front of people. The one will live with their hunger on display continually. And the one will live knowing they're poor and they need God, but never displaying the ache that's on the inside. See, I pray that we'd be a community that just lives poor. We know we're poor and we know we need God and who cares? Just who cares? So that was point one. Come, let us return to the Lord. God, I pray that we wouldn't be a house of prayer that has the schedule filled. It has worship leaders on the platform. Our hearts are far from you. return to the Lord let us return to the Lord let us return to the Lord Come, Holy Spirit. Author an ache inside of us, God.
Offer something real, God. We want something real, God. God, I don't care if it's a 50-year journey. We just want the reality of heaven. We want the real God. We don't want what man can manufacture. God, we will do what we know to do, but at the end of the day, if you don't come, it doesn't matter to us. We want heaven to come. We want the knowledge of God. We want the atmosphere open. Let the atmosphere be open and let a spirit of revelation impregnate this atmosphere, God. Open the heavens with a spirit of revelation. Open the heavens, God, with a spirit of revelation. That the knowledge of God would be our portion. That we'd feast on the knowledge of who you are. God, that we'd feast on who you are. Come, let us return to the Lord. For He has torn us, but He will heal us. He's bruised us, but He'll bind us up. After two days, He will revive us. And on the third day, we will live in His sight. He will come to us like rain. Like rain. Let us return. (sighs) Help us to return to you, Jesus. Help us to return to you. God, we don't even know how to return. God, we don't know how to rend our hearts. We don't know how to rend our hearts, God. But we want to rend our hearts with fasting and weeping and mourning. God, we want to return to you. We want to return to you, God. Give us the grace of fasting and prayer, God. We have a three-day fast that starts tomorrow, beloved. Oh, that we would give ourselves headlong in abandonment to seeking Him with fasting and prayer. God, I'm asking for the grace to fast and pray. Let it come on this entire community. Let it come on this congregation, God. Fasting and prayer and seeking heaven. God, that not that we would stir ourselves up with human zeal, but you'd escort us in. Come to us like rain.
God, give us the grace to remove doubtful areas. Give us the grace to remove things that are stealing our affections, stealing our focus, things that are having our heart, things that we're pursuing. Give us the grace, God, to disagree with darkness and to agree with light. God, give us a spirit of repentance. A spirit of repentance. God, we can't stir it up. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. We can't make it happen. Abba, I'm asking for this entire community. Give us a spirit of repentance. Worship team, just come. Come. Lord, would you come even more powerfully now? Would you come even more powerfully now? Would you come near us? Just send your fire upon us. I want to open the altar. Just this is not a big head.